get them two lazy lugger beds up. Get them down here. You pull that worthless dove right out of bed. You give Dusty a kick for me. I'm waiting for him to fetch fresh water so as I can get on with breakfast. Johnny Tremaine was on his feet. He didn't bother to answer his mistress. He turned to the fat, pale, almost white-haired boy still wallowing in bed. Hear that, dove? Oh, you'll leave me lay, can't you? Grumbling, he swung his legs out of the bed the three boys shared. Johnny was already in his leather breeches, pulling on his coarse shirt, tucking in the tails. He was a rather skinny boy, neither large nor small for fourteen. He had a thin, sleep-flushed face, light eyes, a wry mouth, and fair, lank hair. Although two years younger than the swinish dove, inches shorter, pounds lighter, he knew, and old Mr. Lapham knew, busy Mrs. Lapham and her four daughters, and Dove and Dusty also knew, that Johnny Tremaine was boss of the attic, and almost of the house. Dusty Miller was eleven. It was easy for Johnny to say, Look sharp, Dusty, and little Dusty looked sharp. But Dove, his first name had long ago been forgotten, hated the way the younger apprentice lorded it over him, telling him when to go to bed, when to get up, criticizing his work in the silversmith's shop as though he were already a master smith. Hadn't he been working four years for Mr. Lapham and Johnny only two? Why did the boy have to be so infernally smart with his hands and his tongue? Look here, Johnny, I'm not getting up cause you tell me to. I'm getting up cause Mrs. Lapham tells me to. All right, said Johnny blandly, just so you're up. There was only one window in the attic. Johnny always stood before it as he dressed. He liked this view down the length of Hancock's wharf. Counting houses, shops, stores, sail lofts, and one great ship after another, home again after their voyaging, content as cows waiting to be milked. He watched the gulls, so fierce and beautiful, fighting and screaming among the ships. Beyond the wharf was the sea, and the rocky islands where gulls nested. He knew to the fraction of a moment how long it would take the two other boys to get into their clothes. Swinging about, he leaped for the head of the ladder, hardly looking where he went. One of Dove's big feet got there first. Johnny stumbled, caught himself, and swung silently about at Dove. "'Gosh, Johnny, I'm sorry,' snickered Dove. "'Sorry, huh? You're going to be a lot sorrier. I just didn't notice. You do that again and I'll beat you up again, you overgrown pig of a louse. You—' He went on from there. Mr. Lapham was strict about his boys swearing, but Johnny could get along very well without. Whatever a pig of a louse was— it did describe the whitish, flaccid, parasitic dove. Little Dusty froze as the older boys quarreled. He knew Johnny could beat up Dove any time he chose. He worshipped Johnny, and didn't like Dove, but he and Dove were bound together by their common servitude to Johnny's autocratic rule. Half of Dusty sympathized with one boy, half of him with the other, in this quarrel. It seemed to him that everybody liked Johnny. Old Mr. Lapham because he was so clever at his work. Mrs. Lapham because he was reliable. 
the four Lapham girls because he sassed them so, and then grinned. Most of the boys in the other shops around Hancock's Wharf liked Johnny, although some of them fought him on sight. Only Dove hated him. Sometimes he would get Dusty in a corner, tell him in a hoarse whisper how he was going to get a pair of scissors and cut out Johnny Tremaine's heart. But he never dared do more than trip him, and then whine out of it. Some day, said Johnny, his good nature restored, I'll kill you, Dove. In the meantime, you have your uses. You get out the buckets and run to North Square and fetch back drinking water. The Laphams were on the edge of the sea. Their well was brackish. Look here, Mrs. Lapham said Dusty was to go and get along with you. Don't you go arguing.